am so happy to be here. I love when Dave lets me get up on the stage um, and he keeps letting me come up here, which is exciting. So I got my duck. Um, first service, I did not have a duck. So I have a duck with me this morning to get our ducks in a row. So yes, we are a few weeks already into 2021, but I know for me, I am still so excited that I physically got to see 2020 leave and a new year just means new beginnings and new things. And I'm so glad we're here. Um, I believe, in my opinion, that the hardest part to get to a new year is just getting through the week of Christmas and New Year's. If Honestly, if we can get through that week after Christmas going into New Year's, I strongly believe we can get through anything. I know for my family, it's just, it's just a rough week. It's just what day is it? What time is it? When was the last time we got dressed or put real pants on? When was the last time we brushed our teeth? It's just a really confusing time. I mean, is it time for coffee or do we just go straight to hot tea or something like that? But um, if we can get through that, we can get through anything. So for me, I do New Year's resolutions. I always have, um, I've always been taught if I put pen to paper, I'm more likely to do things and accomplish things. So I do all the New Year's resolutions and I don't just make a list, I put it in categories. So I have a category for my spiritual life, for my marriage, for my parenting, for a personal. So I always always have it written out. I start, you know, putting it together in December. I also do a word of the year. So for those of you who don't know what a word of the year is, it's something that I start praying about in December. And I just ask God, you know, to reveal a word to me that maybe an area in my life that I need to work on, maybe I struggle with. Um, my past couple words have been, um, one year was contentment. God just laid on my heart that I needed to learn to be more content in who I was and where I was in life. Another word of my year was intentional. So I believe that was last year, but I just needed to be intentional with my time and what I was doing with my time and who I was spending my time with. And this year I do have a word of the year. I'm not gonna share it with you this morning just because it's something that I only share with my small group and family at the time. Um, but I do have my resolutions in place and my word in place. But um, I really believe believe that getting your ducks in a row is so important. And really for the new year, that basically means we need to prioritize. We need to organize. We need to go in this year prepared with a plan. Now, and I think we truly need to fight for things because if we're not fighting for things, things just don't come natural. Things just don't happen overnight. We need to fight for things. And one of the things that I get to talk about today is family and the next generation. And I strongly believe that's something that we need to really, really fight for this year. Because if we look around, we, we do live in a culture that seems a little dark and scary and backwards thinking right now. So I believe it's, we need to fight harder than we ever have before. Now, if you're sitting there thinking, okay, I don't have kids, this message isn't for me, my kids are grown up, or whatever that is, this message is for you. If you have little kids or if they are grown and out of the house, maybe you're a leader of some, um, some uh, maybe in uh, Connect Kids, or maybe you're a coach, maybe you're a teacher, whatever that may be, there is some degree where you have an impact in the next generation. And our job is to raise up the next generation. So have you guys ever seen, maybe you have this sign in your house and raise your hand if you have this sign in your house on your wall and it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay, I see a couple hands. Um, maybe you've seen it in someone else's home. Maybe you've seen it 
I don't know, in a movie or on a commercial, whatever that may be, but it's actually Joshua. Joshua 24, 15, it says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And I want you to think about that this morning. Maybe during my message, maybe it's something that you take with you this week and pray about, but how do you finish that sentence in your home? How did you, how do you finish that sentence in your life? As for me and my house, dot, dot, dot. What does that look like for you? How do you finish that sentence? Because everybody has to finish that sentence in one way or another. Is it, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, or is it something else? And maybe you have no idea, and maybe the one way you can figure out how to finish that sentence is looking at your values. What are your values in your life? What are your values in your home, or what do you want them to be? Now, can we all maybe agree on one thing here this morning? And that one thing is if we don't teach our kids the world will. If we don't teach our kids, the world will teach them instead. And they're teaching things that I believe aren't very good values. So if we don't teach our kids, the world will. And here's what the world will teach our kids. Couple things. One, they will teach you image is everything. Image is everything. It's all about how you look, what you wear, what that Instagram picture is looking like. It's not about your character or anything else. It's about image. The second thing I believe the world is teaching us is the more money you have, the more popular you are, the more successful you are, and quite frankly, the more fulfilled you are. There's that, it's, they're saying more money, you're you're fulfilled. The third thing the world is teaching us is that everything's about sex. Now, I'm not gonna speak about that today. I'm gonna leave that to our trusty Pastor Dave. He can, that can be another Sunday. That'll be fun. Um, But that's what the world is teaching us. The fourth thing the world is teaching us is the more praise you get, the more valuable you are. The more likes you get, the more hearts you get, the more comments you get, that means you're valuable. That's what the world is teaching us. And and our kids and our next generation, and even some of us here today, that's how we learn our values. We learn it from commercials, from TV shows, from movies, from Instagram and YouTube and Facebook, and the list goes on and on and on. That's how a lot of us get our value system. Now, I wanna share a story here this morning, and it comes from the Old Testament. It's from the book of Nehemiah. And I'm gonna dive into uh, the Nehemiah chapter four, but I wanna give you a little context first. So Nehemiah, he was a Jew, and he was born in captivity. He was born in captivity. So the Babylonians had conquered Israel, and they took the best and the brightest Jews, and they used them as servants, or they used them in, in captivity. Now, some Israelites still lived in their homeland, but at this point, it was just laid in rubble. From the wars, it was just completely destroyed. And the infrastructure, there used to be a wall that was around the city um, that kept them safe and kept their enemies out. That was all completely crumbled. There was no safety wall around them. So Nehemiah, again, who was a captive at this time, he was a cup bearer for King Xerxes. And a cup bearer basically means he would drink um, everything first before the king did, just in case it wasn't poisonous. So if it was poisonous, Nehemiah, he would get it versus the king. So he felt that God laid on his heart and he felt that God wanted him to go back to his homeland and rebuild the wall, rebuild the structure, help his fellow brothers and sisters. So he asked the king, you know what, God lay this on my heart, and the king gave him permission to go. So with this wall, this wall was everything to them. It was their safety, it was their protection. It kept basically the bad things out so they could keep their strong values in life. So here's what Nehemiah did. He traveled back to Jerusalem, 
He gets a plan, he builds a team, and they start the work. And things are going great until the enemy sets in. And basically the enemies at the time, they went to go mock them and they went to go try to distract them because they didn't want this wall built. And quite frankly, the workers who were working with Nehemiah at this time, it all worked. They were distracted, they were losing hope. They wanted to quit. But here is what happened starting in verse 10. Then the people of Judah began to complain. The workers are getting tired and there is so much rubble to be moved. We will never be able to build the wall by ourselves. Meanwhile, our enemies were saying, before they know what's happening, we will swoop down on them and kill them and end their work. The Jews who lived near the enemy came and told us again and again, they will come from all directions and attack us. Okay, but here was Nehemiah's response starting in verse 13. This is what Nehemiah says. So I place armed guards behind the lowest parts of the wall in the exposed areas. I station the people to stand guard by families armed with swords, spears, and bows. Then I looked over the situation. I called together the nobles and the rest of the people, and I said to them, and this is so important. Here's what Nehemiah said. He says, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. This is what Nehemiah said to the nobles and his workers. He's saying, listen, don't be afraid of the enemies. Just don't let them get to you. Remember who your Lord is, who is so great and glorious, and fight. Fight for what is important to you. So the workers go back to work. They listen to Nehemiah. They take his advice. And here's what they did a little bit different. They worked with one hand. One hand, they had a tool, and they were working on the wall. On the other hand was ready to fight just in case the enemy came in and it was on a sword. And time goes on and yes, the enemies kept trying to mock them and distract them and hurt them, but they pushed forward and they got the wall done in time. And I think we can take so much from that story. As parents, as leaders, as coaches, and the list goes on, we need to have one hand with a tool in it, building our faith, building our foundation, and our other hand on the sword ready to fight when the enemy comes in. Because in our culture today, it is all about all the things I can get, all the things I want. It's about having the pleasures, even if it means hurting somebody along the way. It is that me, 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 me mentality, right? That's what the culture is telling us. Me first, follow the me first way. But we need to flip that thinking. We need to flip that thinking because it is not about us. It's not about us. It's about our heavenly father. That's who it's about. And we need to learn to see the world in his eyes and live how he wants us to live. It's not about us. And Paul writes about that in the New Testament. In Romans 12, 2, Paul says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul, Paul knew what was gonna happen. He knew that it would get dark and scary in this world. And he's saying, don't do it. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Instead, Stay close to Jesus and be renewed in your mind. And he's the only one that can renew your mind. So if we're gonna fight for our families this year, if that's one way we're gonna get our ducks in a row, we need to fight for our values. The second thing we need to fight for is our growth. Are we growing? So we have um, this big measuring wooden stick my husband made years ago, and we measure our kids every birthday and every six months. We started celebrating six-month or every half birthdays. I don't know how, started, how it started, but 
we celebrate twice a year, it's strange. But um, so every birthday, every half birthday, every birthday, we, ha- we put our kids on the measuring stick and we have them you know, look straight and put, put their feet back and, and we measure them. And my husband always does the same thing. He makes a mark where, he, where their heads are and he puts the date and he puts their name. And the best part of that is we get to step back and celebrate with our kids. We're like, oh my gosh, you were here. Now you're here. I mean, literally it's like that, but we celebrate with them because we can see growth. We can physically see growth. Now, if we didn't measure our kids, yes, I know they're growing, but I'm with them every day. I don't see the growth. But if we're measuring growth, we can say, look how much. You were here, now the line's here. We need to be doing that same, the same thing in our lives with our family. Are we measuring our growth in our relationship with Jesus? Are we measuring our growth with our value system? And one way that we can grow as a family is we as leaders, we as parents, we need to lead by example. We need to lead by example. And Jesus shows this so perfectly. He shows this so well. He, um, it's a couple hours before he knows he's gonna get arrested. He knows he's gonna be going to the father and he thinks, okay, I'm gonna teach them one last big lesson. So they're eating dinner together at the last supper and Jesus gets up from the table. He takes off his outer coat. He ties a towel around his waist and he pours water in a bowl and he gets down on his hands and feet. And little did we know, he starts washing his disciples' feet. He starts washing his disciples' feet. And I'm thinking the disciples at the time are thinking, what in the world are you doing? You can't do this. And this is what it says in John 13, verse 14 through 15. It says, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. So I think right there, that's so important. He's saying, I wanna specify who I am, just so you're aware. I am your Lord and I am your teacher. That is correct. But he's saying, you should also wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. He's basically saying, I would not ask you to do something if I wouldn't do it myself. He's leading by example. And there's even one part that uh, Peter says, you shall never wash my feet. He's totally thrown off by this. And we need to think around that ancient time. So most of them were walking around with no shoes on and They're walking in dirt and mud. They're walking in animal waste and trash. So this is a very dirty job. This is a very dirty job. So you either A, wash your own feet or B, someone at lower status to wash your feet. So the fact that Jesus, their Lord and their teacher was washing their feet was like on a whole nother level. And he was trying to teach them to lead by example. Kids don't want to see a sermon They wanna see it done. They don't wanna see a sermon. They don't wanna hear about it. They wanna see it done. They wanna see you serve like Jesus. They wanna see you love like Jesus. That's what kids need. They also need really, really good conversations. And I think this one is so important. They need really good conversations. So most of my conversations in my home are all about, I would say 90% is what's for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Have you brushed your teeth? Is it shower night? Is homework done? Like we have the same conversations all the time. But there's that extra percentage, 10% of time where we need to have those real and critical conversations that are not always fun to have and can make you a little comfortable, but they're so important to have. God entrusted us with these kids to have these conversations. And here's the thing, if we don't teach them, their friend group will. If we don't teach them that know-it-all on Facebook, we'll teach them. We need to have these conversations with these kids 
And the main reason is, it's not so when kids come up to us and say, gosh, I messed up. We don't get to say, I told you so. Why didn't you listen to me? I told you, you shouldn't have done it. That is not why we have these conversations. We have these conversations for if and when our kids mess up, the last thing we want our kids to come up and say to us is, mom, dad, if you knew about this, why didn't you tell me? If you knew this could happen, why did we not talk about it? That's something we don't wanna happen. We need to have these hard conversations. And Jesus was never afraid to have hard conversations with his disciples. He was never afraid, but he did it out of love and he did it with truth and grace. And also they listened to him because they had an amazing relationship. And that brings me to my third point. Along with fighting for our values and fighting for um, our growth, we also need to fight for relationships. This is something I heard a long time ago and it always stuck with me. I've I've never um, forgotten it. And that is rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Discipline without relationship leads to anger, resentment, bitterness. And as parents, how can we discipline our children if they truly in their heart don't know how much we love them? How can we discipline them if they don't know how much we love them? And Jesus is not all about just sitting up in heaven, making rules, and when we don't measure up, we get punished. That's not it. He loves us so much, and he is so full of love and grace. And shouldn't we do the same? Jesus said in in John chapter 15, um, verse 12, this is my commandment, love each other the way that I have loved you. So, What the million dollar question is, what are you fighting for in your homes? What are you truly fighting for in your homes? Because I believe, in my opinion, I believe that the first and the most important priority we have as parents is making sure our kids know and love Jesus and have a relationship with them. That is our goal, right? We want them to trust him and walk with him. So although they have a choice at the end of the day, that should still be our parenting goal. So how do you finish that sentence? How do you finish as for me and my house? There's different ways to finish it. I mean, some people may have a home and just say, as for me and my house, we will get straight A's and we will be so smart. Maybe as for me as my house, we will make a lot of money and take the best vacations. Maybe it's as for me and my house, we will be all-star basketball players. And none of those things are wrong. The problem is when they're first and foremost. So how do you finish that sentence? What does the sign say on your wall, maybe by your kitchen table, above your mantle? What does it say as for me and my house? Because I know for me, as for me and I, my house, I truly, that is my goal every day is to serve the Lord first and foremost. So I wonder, I wonder what would happen if our kids, if our next generation from, from here on out were just seeped in an atmosphere of faith. I heard this quote from C.S. Lewis and I had to read it a couple times to kind of wrap my head around it, but it says, aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. So as parents, as leaders of our homes, maybe as the church, yes, when we aim at heaven and we point our next generation to this, yes, we will get earth thrown in. The world is really ugly. But if we aim at earth, we're gonna get neither. So as far as the next generation goes, as far as the next generation goes, 
I pray that they go places that we could never go ourselves, that we could never go ourselves. But the way they'll go to places so far, it's because they will have our love, they will have our experience, they will have our our guidance, they will have it all from us. And that should be our prayer today as as a church, as um, a community, as parents, as leaders, and so on, that we pray that they go so much farther than we ever believe that we can go. So I ask that we just pray really big prayers over the next generation. And I, and I wanna say this, I wanna thank you to those parents who um, have trusted me with your kids because I know I have been in Connect Kids for several years and now the next generation with youth. And I just wanna thank you, just trusting me to guide them and grow them because that's truly where my heart's at. And I wanna continue to do that every single day because they mean so much to me. So let's pray big prayers today. And, and as we go on, for the next generation to do some really, really big things. So I'm gonna finish us out in prayer and the the worship team is gonna lead us in one last song. So would you pray with me, please? Lord, thank you so much for just, just speaking through me and giving me the message of how we can grow the next generation, Lord, because I know it's so important to you. Lord, I know you have um, brought the next generation here on earth for such a time as this. And I just ask that as a church, as a community, as leaders, you help us to grow them. We, we need help to grow them in just um, relationship with you and how much you love them, Lord. So please just be with us um, today and every day um, as we go out and just be the light and the salt of the earth for you, Lord. We love you so much, amen.